broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Happy Libations Friday. Loosey-goosey edition of the program. I'm Jeff. That's Tom, Director Matthew in the house as well. Ready to roll. Good to be back in the studio. Hope you're all right. I am on the mend, doing much better. Thanks for all the kind well wishes from you guys this week as it's just a just a bad head cold, guys. I'm all right. I'm all right. Feeling better. Don't sound great, but feel much, much better. No longer contagious. So we're all good. We're all safe here. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Did I say that? I think so. Uh, so we're good. We're ready to roll. I should say, almost before we get started, maybe nothing to any of you, but I did promise uh, the gentleman I mentioned on Wednesday's show, Tom, that I would do this at some point, and I had failed to because I had lost the sheet that I had his name on. I have it today. Uh, the show today goes out to Jim Ramsey. There you go, Jim. The show's going out to you today. Buddy. That is a strong name, Jim, Jim Ramsey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And so, uh, and 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 thank you again, sir, for all that really cool Bucks gear. I mean, I, I've got a lot to frame up and figure out what to do, man. I got Selman. I got Williams. I got Ricky Bell. I got Giles. I forget about it. It's my youth, right there, all autographed. It's beautiful. Sad that on a day like this where I make picks with Mama, who I split with last week, uh, that I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to go against the Bucks. I think, this week, guys. I think all the trends are moving in the wrong direction for Tampa Bay. You're starting mm. to see some ugliness from this Bucks offense. It's starting to get downright terrible. And I'm going to strangle Canales if he runs the ball on first down one more time. The Bucks are dead-ass last in pass attempts on first and second down in the entire NFL. And this is a league with a bunch of bad quarterbacks. And they have receivers, so stop doing that. That guy has quickly gone from doing a good job to what are you doing? It is always third and six. Stop that. These are a first-place bunch of Buccaneers, buddy. <laughs> All right? Oh, uh, man. Could be worse. You could have Carr as your quarterback, and you run that New Orleans offense. So, you know, to that game last night, Jacksonville wins. I had ATN first touchdown at plus 550. I can't miss a player prop of some sort these days. That's an easy, easy pick, by boy, the way. Boy. Uh, it's unbelievable. You and the wagering gods, you are LeBron at the decision. It, what's weird about it is that it just like the ones player prop ones. I'm nine of ten officially on the show. I'm more than that off the show. What's because I I didn't put the ATN one. I just bet it last night. Here's the thing. So ATN is has been quietly over the last three weeks the best back in football, and he is emerging now as that guy that you loved when you saw that first mm-hmm. carry at Clemson. I mean, yep. he's looking like that again, right? He's just electrifying again. 
And if he's going to be that, Jacksonville's going to keep winning a lot of games because then they get to throw off a play action and, you know, Lawrence can do that well. So he just seemed like a logical candidate. So you sprinkle pizza money on these bets. I mean, you're always going to get plus money uh, if it's a player prop. I mean, the chance, you know, it's especially if it's a player prop to score. Yeah, if it's an anytime. Yeah, it's yeah. an anytime or whatever. You know, Over-unders, though, you actually have to pay through the nose sometimes. You do. But so anytime you can do better than first – so, like, if you say, I, I'm picking the guy who's going to score first. But he's been a red zone demon. So, I'm like, okay. It would have been great back in the day if we knew anything about this player prop stuff. We would have taken Allstott. You'd have, you'd have taken Dunn's yeah. over on yeah. the 100 yards, yeah. and you'd have taken Allstott for the first touch. Allstott stole all of his yeah, touchdowns. But the problem is, about a year into that, so call it 1997, maybe 1998, he would be minus money. For first, for first oh, touchdown. Yeah, but by the fourth or any game time of the touchdown. by the fourth game of the year, they'd have been like, mm. he's the only dude who scores <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, he was a tank. <laughs> he was on the one yard line. He was a tank. He would solve all of today's red zone issues for the teams in the league. By the way, red zone issues across Whoa. the board in that league. Success rate under a coin flip it's for a touchdown. Unbelievable. So you remember, and this is why I appreciate Norvell and Florida State up until last week's buffoonery. Um, did that, you, I said a few uh, years ago, we were talking about this, that we we had frustration with some of the Mickey Mouse stuff in the red zone, some of the inside the 10, inside the 5, where it gets really condensed. And we started having a regular discussion about why do teams, because it, it's all across college football, and it's now infiltrated the NFL, other than Philadelphia, where – everybody's in shotgun from the one. And can we stop being six yards away from the ball when you're on the one? Stop doing that. It's like nobody can get under center anymore. All right, so we started having that conversation three years ago. And I said, well, certainly one of the reasons is that everybody now has the ability to roll in these these heavy sets where they come in with 350, 330, 350 across the line, guys who are there to stop you from getting a yard. And no offensive line gets a push, so they just get stood straight up. Nobody can move unless it's the tush push that Philadelphia is doing. So at that time, I said, well, you'll probably see some more flexibility in the red zone, especially if you're – it's almost like when you're at the seven, you're better off in terms of play diversity than you are down yeah. at the one. Yeah, right? that's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. And so watch for coaches to get creative. And I was talking about Norvell. Watch him to start running Jordan a lot more, have Jordan keep. And we saw that, right? And as Jordan got more confident down there, he's had so many walk-ins. Well, and he still I mean, does that this year. Yeah, you, know, oh, yeah. you talk about between the 20s, yeah. maybe you want to see him run a little bit more. If he's rolling out and he's got an option to throw or pass, how about just tuck it? There's eight yards in front of you, maybe more because you're dynamic. Well, okay, that's a fair criticism. But when they get near the goal line, he is ice cold. I mean, he does not care about what shoulder it is, where he absorbs the contact. Right, right. He will be a part of the running game once you're inside the five-yard line. So it's uh, it's it's fun when you, you kind of start talking about that thing, about what's going to happen. Well, the trend now is so awful. We have, through six games, by the way, in the league, it is a 15-year high. I jotted this down this morning. A 15-year high for field goals kicked. 15-year high. It's also a 15-year low for red zone drives converted into touchdowns touchdowns the totals are down across the board if you blanket bet unders every week you're winning a ton of money they're hitting at over 60 percent uh this league is having a hard time scoring points now this is the antithesis from a few years back when we would talk about 
They've gotten so lax with certain rules. You can't hit the quarterback. You can't hit a receiver. They call everything when you get handsy. They're giving away touchdowns. They prolong drives on third down calls. That off defensive holding, defensive pass. They they varied the amount of things that yeah. referees were allowed to call so three. that we could sustain drives. You've got three plus unnecessary roughness, and there was one last night in the end zone that was just absurd again. Right. Shoulder. I mean. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Sure. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. That's Derek Carr getting a guy killed. That is not a penalty on Jacksonville. They're going to have to go back. The the league and the, the NFL is college football, certainly, and decide that we're allowed to play football again. I'm not the Neanderthal. I'm not the guy that doesn't believe in player safety. It's a violent game. Stop calling ticky-tack nonsense. Even quarterbacks. Watch – you watch these post-game interviews with some of the quarterbacks that are the benefactors of these roughing the passer calls. They'll all but chuckle and say, well, we certainly caught a break there. I, I guess that's the rule. They know damn well that that's not a penalty. I just, for you know, NFL analysts' sake, specifically to the NFL, like this is, I think the NFL gets this worse than college does with the defenseless receiver thing. College, they want to throw targeting flags left and right, and they yeah, do, and then and they clean the it up. The problem is they throw people out of the game for that. Exactly. But what I would say is that hit last night, specifically near the goal line, where yeah. it's car over the middle, it's double covered, and it's a it's a glancing shoulder blow. It's nothing. College will pick that flag up. The NFL will enforce a defenseless receiver rule, which is ridiculous. So, to all the analysts out there, you can stop saying that receivers sacrifice their body over the middle. They don't have to because the rules protect them. Right. And if they get hit, it's illegal. So that was an element of the game that helped separate, differentiate between the good receivers and the great receivers. Yeah. The, the willingness to do that. It was a cliche, but it was so true. That yeah. A true possession receiver was the guy you're talking about. Oh, sure. But even elite receivers, all of them can run the nine. All of them can run the go. All of them are going to go, you know, an over route. That's fine. They're all going to go out there and make that play because that's the path to glory. That's a touchdown. Now I'm utilizing my 4-3 speed and my 6-4 height and my good hands. I don't, I was born to do that. Now I got to get between the ears and decide how tough I'm willing to be and what I'm willing to sacrifice. Now I'm running across the face of Ray Lewis. This could be a problem. I may have to wear this. And if you did that, in addition to that other skill set, well, you were otherworldly. It was actually more deflating. Those guys who made those catches and took those hits and got up and tossed the ball to the ref, that was as good a get as you were going to get as a wide receiver, as an offensive player. That was the ultimate revenge. It wore people out. You can't take all of these elements out of football. I see it every week. They have, though. It's too late. It's Well, I, I do think there's beginning to be an awful lot of pushback on this. I mean – it is interesting to watch the totals down. Now, I think that's a different issue. I think that quarterback play in the league right now is awful. So we went from this influx of young, great talent we were excited about, Patrick Mahomes leading the way, for example, where you go, oh, my God, well, that's different. And then you got, you know, obviously Buffalo, Kansas, you know, like four or five teams where you're like, ooh, all of a sudden you have three you know, quarterbacks that you really began to like. Dak's kind of fallen off now and is, is more of a hindrance to Dallas's success. But he was, at that time, riding high. There were several yeah. guys that, that we were talking about at that moment. But now you look around, you're like, ooh, where are the good quarterbacks? Because that, that class from a couple years ago is ass. They're all terrible. <laughs> it's like, nope, 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 nope. Nary one of you all can play. It speaks to how good defense is at the National Football League level relative to college. 
you know, one of the rule one of the rule differences in college where you can get three yards and sometimes as many as five downfield oh, on the ridiculous. throw yeah. certainly helps matters. But if you think about all of the ways the NFL penalizes a defense, that's different in college, above and beyond college. And yet, and yet, unders are hitting at the rate that they are. It's Red zone success yeah. on a touchdown is a coin flip or a little less than a coin flip. I mean, that's that speaks to the greatness and how exponential the growth is from college to the pros in terms of defensive aptitude. And that's also why these guys that yeah. are Heisman winners can't do a damn thing when they get to the next level in a lot of situations. Jameis may get his shot because one thing stood out about last night that carried over from the week before. Carr shows his ass after every possession. I'm talking about if I played with him, we would have a problem. Like, I, it's hard for me to watch that guy right now. Yep. After every throw, after every three and out, he shows his ass. He's broken. He, well, he's broken. Part of their problem, too, is they're trying to run that Mickey Mouse 15 yards and in offense that they ran under pop gun arm at the end because it's the same OC. And he wanted to retire. They convinced him to come back. He should have retired. Carr hates that offense. It's obvious. And the players in him aren't in sync. Well, what's also amazing is that guy with that resume, which was dead and buried last offseason, right? Like he was finished. And he, if he's going to be a good quarterback for you, it's a reclamation story. It's not a continuation of who Carr is. And yet he got $150 million? hundred Over four years? Yeah, $150 million. Yeah. Meanwhile, his backup took a pay cut. He's making four. Four million dollars. He's a tenth. He's worth a tenth of what Derek Carr is. You're telling me that Carr is ten times better than the dude on the bench? No, I, I don't think so. amazing how that works. I will say that they've got a problem in the room, though, because it doesn't appear that anybody likes anybody playing that position on that team. That, that, that seems to be like there's disconnects everywhere. I, I, that's all I'll say about yeah, that. Yes, where he really showed his ass was the possession before the pick six. Yeah. And I thought the pick six would be it because that's where he's on the bench and you could see the rage and he's pouting. And then his next series is lost, then a pick six. Yeah. And you go, well... If you're going to make the switcherooski, this is the opening, and they didn't. Oh, man. All right, it does feel like a big game weekend. It does to me. It feels like a big game weekend, and it is so hard to say that in the same breath as your opponent is Duke. But I think it's a great opportunity for Florida State to prove some things again. And operating under the same kind of mantra and repeated phrasing that we hear Coach Norvell say to the press and to his team and anybody will listen is it's about us. It's about us. All right. Well, this weekend is about us in the term of, in the sense that how do you attack a very solid defense that's going to make you earn it? How do you attack a defense that will be in the right place? They're really well coached. They're not going to be, there aren't blown assignments by Duke. People aren't running scot-free. They're going to they're gonna understand their role. They walk into the stadium believing they're going to win, so they're going to they're gonna play with confidence. You can tell Syracuse wasn't playing with confidence. You can see Virginia Tech wasn't playing with confidence. So I think Duke will come out, and they'll come out with a lot of bravado. You'll have to see if it's false or not. But they're going to make you prove that, right? Florida State has got to show the ability, whatever the game plan is, to execute on first down and stay from consistently being behind the chains. And they are consistently behind the chains after first down, so I'd like to see that shift. The good news in this sense, if you're talking about run defense, is, is both Clemson and Syracuse were better at run stuffs and tackles for loss. You know, So this is a group that doesn't make a ton of plays in the backfield on you. They're just stout, and yeah. they minimize the damage. Yeah, second and eight. 
Right. So this is a game, I think, to your point about composure. This is composure. Yeah. You're going to be amped up to play this game. Don't get overly amped. Don't take stupid penalties. No pre-snap penalties. Don't get too excited on offense because if you're behind the chains, then this is like a boa constrictor of a defense. They'll keep everything in front of them. They'll force you to check it down. They might leave their perimeter corners in a one-on-one, and you might be able to hit a shot or two, but that's not how you want to make your living here necessarily. No. Not until you establish a lead, and then maybe you can take some shots. But it will be fascinating because Elko typically likes to keep everything in front of them, and they do what they do. It's a it's a too high shell, as uh, D Rob will talk about a bunch on the on the breakdowns, mm-hmm. and it's quarters or whatever. Yep, that's, that's kind of standard in almost everybody's defense. We run a lot of it. Totally, yes, that is totally standard. We see it all the time. Yeah. However, does he want to continue with that in this case, or does he look at the Clemson film and say, you know what, they might have been onto something there? Oh yeah, Clemson was like, we don't think you can make those. If throws. I crowd the run and then take I it make, away, and I take it away, and I trust my corners to make plays in one on one. It, that's fascinating. I think what we do will somewhat be dictated. I know we do what we do and focus on us, but I want to see how Duke plays it. Do they decide to deviate from what has made them successful, or do they start in their base, force us to prove that we can beat it, and then they make adjustments? Basically, the question is, who makes the first move? That's going to be a lot of fun to watch tomorrow. Well, and I think it could lead to a low-scoring first quarter. I think you're going to see some jabs. I don't really trust Duke's offense to move the ball under any situation. I think they have to score on short fields, maybe a couple trick plays, uh, you know, wear Florida State down, get in the game late in the third quarter, having stuck with the run, even though that's a losing proposition against Florida State because you're not going to try to unleash a backup quarterback. Right. So, and he's not all that mobile, so it's not like he's an elusive runner. This isn't the, the guy that you would be worried about. Now, Riley Leonard, if he plays, can run, but we'll see even if he plays, is he anywhere close to 100% and able to carry the ball? That would change the game a little bit and certainly the way we talk about it. So I think for Florida State, you've got time to be patient. You know, the other offense isn't out here lighting you up. They haven't lit anybody up. So if you want to run something and you want to see if you can establish it and make it work, you got time here. Some offenses, like when you're playing LSU and you think that they may end up scoring 28, 31, 34 points in a football game, I don't know how patient you can be. You've got to yeah. you've got to score points in any way you know how, and you have ways to do that because you have so many weapons. So maybe you come out of certain things, and I thought we did against LSU, and then tried to reestablish it in the second half, and we did, and and it worked out right. Well, yeah, yeah. Do you throw to run or do you run to set up throws? I would throw to run here. And I think what they did last week, and see if you agree with me, but it looked like they threw underneath a lot to set up a deeper shot or, or deeper yeah. concepts. Yeah. And you know, they missed a couple. They hit a couple. Um, the throw to Keon actually is a new age Florida State play. They were they had I think they had in seven to protect and three releasing. Well, you're just like here you go well, because you, you got Keon. Yeah, yeah, you have Keon. I was gonna say that you know the the old Vikings used to line up and say, well, we're gonna throw this to Randy Moss, and there'll be nine guys blocking. You're not gonna get to our guy. He's gonna well, sit here and wait for Randy that, to run sixty yards down the field. But that's the one of the, one of the things where you get the benefit of watching if somebody has access to where the safeties are and, yeah. and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It feels like in the flow of the game, as it happens, and you see Keon wide open. Oh man, we must have schemed that up. Maybe it's something we did earlier on in this game that schemes him wide open the way that Pokey was against Miami for the first touchdown that we right, scored on right. that third down. No, no, it was Max Protect three dudes just running nines. Somebody's gonna be a one on one. Let's see if we can win that battle, and then we did. Yeah, and I like that it was – the protection allowed for that to really develop, though. It's not 30 yards down the field. It's right. way down the field. It throw it as far as you want to throw it. He'll get there. We'll be all right. Right, right. If we do a lot of that tomorrow, I don't 
know that our chances are wonderful. Wouldn't be wise, not with too high. I don't think so. But uh, well, yeah, it's it's kind of a testy sort of deal. Florida State is fully capable of beating Duke soundly. But Duke is capable, if they get it to the second half and play the game they want to play it in front of them, of putting themselves in another position to pull an upset. This is what they did against Notre Dame. Had a chance to do it. Now, we have way more weapons than Notre Dame. But they hung around, hung around, had the lead, played good defense, stuck within their offense, and just thought, okay, we'll get it to the fourth quarter. Obviously, it worked against Clemson. Now, you can't really replicate that many red zone turnovers. But still, um, by forcing them to earn it yeah. over and over and uh, over again. You live to play another day. They're yep. beat on a, quite a few plays. Sure. And they find a way to make a tackle, and it's a gain of five instead of a gain but of 15. But live to fight the next play, right, and right. then you never know. People make mistakes. That And that is a team that's really well coached, that understands that even that small thing, it seems like you're beaten in the moment. No, you're not. Not no, yet. No, no, no. no. Not yeah, yet. Yeah, make the tackle. Right. But make what, them run another play. What Clemson figured out, though, and it's clear as day from the first half to the second half of that game, is when they spread them out and then they ran the ball out of a spread set. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they yeah. were doing. Remember the thing we did against Clemson where you had the four receivers and they were kind of stacked in, yeah. in lines? Clemson did that in the second half. Once they started breaking that out, then Shipley was off to the races. So do we start out spread wide like that, or do we the do good what we news, do with the two tight ends? The good news, and I would, I'm would, i sure Elko thinks this about watching us as well, this is true for any coach, but you now have an awful lot of data points, as people like to say to these days, and certainly sample sets. Like you, we got six full games now to take a look at what Duke is doing and what Duke has to do in order to win. And they're saying the same about us, but I like our options as opposed to their options. So it's a little bit different. They they got to win a singular way. Florida State can win three, four different ways. That's a very different set of circumstances. Well, that was the thing about the Notre Dame game is Notre Dame's bread and butter, the way they run the offense, is old school. Everything's around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And they don't have very good wide receivers. They got a great tight end. That's it. That's all they brought to the party. So for matchup purposes, you couldn't ask for ask for more if you're Duke. They have a like, big running a big bruising running back too, but yeah. They do. He he is a little slowish. Oh well. Estime. Big, big running backs are. Yeah, but like, you know, he's not exactly uh your guy that's now on uh Dylan, AJ Dylan. He's yeah. not exactly AJ Dylan because that guy could really get up to speed. Yeah, he was a, a violent runner because he had four or five speed at two hundred and fifty right. pounds. Estime is a little heavy footed. But if you're if you're Duke and you're asking for an offense to come to town that's of the top ten variety in terms of the, the national ranking of the team. Hey, that's perfect. Duke is made for you. They are made for the way you want to play defense. Syracuse, uh, Clemson is a little multiple, mm-hmm. and then when they decided to go more uh, Garrett Riley spread, then they met their match. It was just that Clemson fumbled the ball in the, over, in the and over, over and over and over again, and yeah. it was glorious. That's a toughie. That's a toughie. All right, we got Lee Sterling coming up. Paramount Sports, time to get his uh, picks in here. I got my mom in the final hour. We've got some makeup stuff we got to do from yesterday's show, do podcast only yesterday. So, some elements here for YouTube that we got to do as well. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. It's Friday rolling on. Jeff Cameron Show. Great to be back in the studio. I I like the options that we have that allow us to uh, do shows from the house and, and kind of hang out and do those things when we need to. But uh, there's nothing like being here on the radio, ready to roll, in studio, talking to my man, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, who joins us right now. Lee, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Excited. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to watch my daughter sing the national anthem for the Bears. Has she not sung the national anthem now at every stadium in America, buddy? Because she is she is sought after. She's starting to blow up, getting close to getting a Broadway or a national tour lead. That's awesome. It's there. It's there. She actually had a really good offer to do one of the lead roles in an Amazon Prime movie, but it was the same month as her uh, off-Broadway musical she just finished, Cross That River. So sometimes the timing isn't right, but uh, she's right on the door. That's so cool, buddy. Hopefully I'll take the kids up uh, one time next couple years, and we'll be uh, up in New York City eating and uh, watching her. Well, you know I'm going to – I'm going to call that in. You know, I'm going to I'm going to hold you up to that now because I I've actually oddly vicariously through you have followed your daughter through every level of education, buddy. We've known each other that so you long. You can actually see her live here too. So do you have you have the NFL ticket, right? Of course. Okay. So I didn't know this. You can watch every game's pregame show an hour before the game. Mhm. And they show the national anthem in every stadium at like uh, Eastern time, twelve fifty six Central time, eleven fifty six. Yeah, so Soldier Field, baby, we'll be watching. Soldier Field, she'll be wearing a Walter Payton jersey. How cool is that? Well done, congratulations, Dad. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Um, all right, let's get to the yeah. games. We've got some yeah. juicy ones again this week. I feel like yeah. we've really been rolling three or four weeks in a row with some fun games to talk about. Mm-hmm. All right, James Franklin never wins this game. He never wins any game that really matters against the good teams in the Big Ten. 
But he's got a chance now, and he's catching four and a half. And I don't like Ohio State's offense, but where are you at with the number between Ohio State and Penn State? I agree with you, and I'm watching Ohio State. I think their offensive line just isn't very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't hold their blocks. And usually, you know, when they hit those long runs, it's their offensive linemen. They are making blocks at the second level. Not happening this year. So I really judge teams based on how they do against other quality teams. Against Notre Dame, I mean, except for that last drive, Kyle McCord didn't look very good. He only completed 56% of his passes in that game for 6.5 yards per attempt. I think this Penn State defense is really good. I mean, they're number one or number two in almost every major statistical category. And their one game against a quality opponent, Iowa, they annihilated them 31 to nothing here. Unless McCord is on, I think Penn State's going to win the battles at the line of scrimmage. I know they've lost six straight, nine to ten. I've been on Ohio State almost every single year, but – I think Penn State finally gets their revenge. I think they win this game outright, 31-24. Well, I hope you're right. I'd like to see it. I'm tired of seeing Ohio State. They're boring to watch this year. Also, Jeff, I think with um, Georgia now possibly losing their tight end for at least four to six weeks, maybe the year, We this this would have been the year for 12 teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while, yeah. And and (laughs) this, believe it or not, there's a chance the Southeast Conference – may not get a representative. Excluded. How about this? The Big 12 could end up with two. They could end up, if Oklahoma runs the table and loses to Texas, yeah. they could end up with two. And I think the Pac, and, and the Big 10 also could end up with two. And even the Pac-12, I mean, those are the three strongest conferences outside of, of the ACC, which is much stronger this year also. It would be weird for the Big Ten because you've got Michigan and Ohio State playing each other, Ohio State and Penn State this weekend, and if anybody loses to Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, I don't care if Iowa's 11-1, and they're automatically eliminated. That won't happen, but let's, but let's, let's, say, for, for, let's say Ohio State loses this game, Yeah. all right? Uh-huh. And then they beat Michigan, but let's say Penn State wins their game, okay, against Michigan. I, you know, there's, I think there's a chance two of those three teams could end up in it. It'll be fascinating. Not likely. Not likely. Not likely. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I see your point. It's wide open is the is yeah, the ultimate discussion. Uh, discussion. Right. All right, so a lot of people think because of last year with Hinden Hooker that Tennessee just wants to throw it 55 times a game and they light up the scoreboard. But not this year's Tennessee team. No. They want to run the ball because they don't trust their quarterback, and for good reason. He's average. <laughs> Alabama can stop the run. They're laying nine. I think this sets up as Alabama blowing Tennessee out. But am I wrong? I think it might be. Okay, uh, good. Here, here's why. So – I liked what I saw with Tennessee last week in their game against A&M. They waited A&M out. They're like, we're going to sit there and not make the mistake. We're going to let you make the mistake. Sure. Yep. We're going to capitalize it. We're, once we get the ball back, we're not going to blow it. And then on defense, we're going to play stout defense and solid special teams. They're winning different ways. So I like that. They're being patient. I think Alabama's not the same team. When, when you got Nick Saban talking to the fans – and encourage him to make a lot of noise. <laughs> I think he realizes that he's yeah. in trouble. I mean, this is an elimination game. Whoever loses this game is done. But I think eight and a half, nine is too much here. I, I think Alabama wins 27 24. 
I'll take Tennessee plus the eight and a half nine. Yeah, and I I was willing to debate that with you and say that I can see the other side of it. I just figured Bryant Denny Stadium. I have a hard time seeing where the points are going to come from for Tennessee. But hell, you can make that argument about Alabama How about too. This? Tennessee's only had one bad half all year. Yeah, horrible against Florida. Well, because they always but do. Other, other than that, Alabama's had a lot more bad halves this year than Tennessee. Clemson is uh, taking on your Canes, who fell again here now, and Miami is up against it because if they lose here now, obviously we're we're in a situation where the season would be over. Yep. So we're knocking on the door of the train coming off the tracks, as we've seen in the past. Now, they did show up last week, and they did care to play hard, and for a half it looked promising. But the second half began 24 to nothing. So what is different this week, and is Miami going to rise up against a Clemson offense that's suspect but a very good defense? Suspect, but they can run the football. I mean, there was two plays in the Florida State game. They go the other way, that fumble, scoop for a touchdown, missed field goal. Right. They got a chance to win the game. Now the game was at home. But it's not going to be a big crowd for this Miami-Clemson game. I don't care if it's at night. Right now, Mario's got to find a way to win this game. I I just don't see it. I I think that Clemson's running game, think that they're – defensive front here. I think Miami's more talented than Clemson, but their psyche, just I think it's rough. I think they got a problem. they got guys just are not playing up to their potential. Uh, they got at least one player on the defense, defensive line, linebacker, and secondary that North Carolina realized were really weak. I don't know why they waited a half to exploit it, but they finally did. Second half, they made adjustments. Miami didn't here. Here we go again. Miami loses 26-20. So if Mario at that point would he'd be 0 for at home in the ACC, right. he's never won a home game, and we're in right. year two. Uh, this is the risk. It's a race against time. I'm going to see right. if you agree with this assessment. Yeah. So Mario Cristobal has always been a terrible in-game coach, but always been an elite recruiter. So and what's crazy is the last week and a half, he's gotten two elite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. It was crazy. Well, this is, this is where it's the race against time, though, Lee, because right. you know how this works. Yep. He's got all the yeses in the world. Keep losing. Yep. And let's see where those yeses go. And that's what, that's what happens. And this is a guy that has got to find a way or else it'll avalanche. We've seen plenty of guys who could recruit. Texas A&M, Jeff. Yes. Texas A&M. There it is. A couple weeks, they're losing them. They're losing one big recruit a week. So yeah. All right. I don't know how he's holding them. So, uh... Nope. For by dear life right now. Um, FSU minus 13.5 against Duke. It's a good Duke defense. By the way, if I can get 13.5, I'm taking that. I've seen 14.5 and, and 15. Yep. I've seen 14. 13.5 would be nice. Right. I think Riley Leonard's going to play in this game. You I do? Mm. I do think he's going to play. Yeah. I would say about – I've been talking to a bunch of people. I got it at 69.3%. <laughs> Are you uh, aggregating your six friends that you called about this here? What's going on? Right. Uh, <laughs> So, Duke does one thing well. They play defense. Number four in scoring defense, allowing just 10.4 points per game. couple rules. When I am looking at laying points, let's say double digits, and a team can't score, they can't score more than 15, 16 points a game, don't do it. Just lay off the game. Team that plays really good defense, you're giving me double digits. I think Duke's going to try to snap the ball with two, three seconds to go Every time they want That's eight correct. or nine possessions. Think about it. If you're playing Florida State here, you got to win. In the 20s. score five or six of your nine possessions. Pretty tough against Duke if Duke only scores two or three times. So 
I don't know. I, I'm going to take uh, Duke. I think Florida State wins 27-20. Yeah, so that's okay. You, you had us winning, but you see the game in the 20s. Well, Duke has to win it in the 20s. There's no – if this gets into the 30s, they're not keeping up. No, um, no chance. No, 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 no chance. chance. They turn the ball over two or more times, they're in trouble. But, you know, I, better defense. They do have the best defense. It'll be fun to watch. Philadelphia minus two against Miami and what many would say is certainly the NFL game of the week. So I'm going to give you a way to play this game and a way to play a team on a future. So in this game, I think Miami's up against it. They're playing a Philadelphia team that hasn't played close to their A or B game anywhere close to either one in all six games. Them coming off the loss, I think they're going to be focused. They have the number one run defense. And how do you keep the Dolphins' offense in check? Don't allow them on the field. Eagles' offense, number two in time of possession, over 34 minutes a game. And weather, it hasn't been lower than 75 degrees in over six months here. It's going to be low to mid-40s, 15 to 20 miles an hour wind. And I think Philly is going to put it together here. I think they're going to be focused. Jalen Hurst's interceptions last week were horrible. I mean, he's got to start running the ball more. He's not playing well is the dirty little secret. Yeah. He's not playing well, period. He hasn't. At all. No. It makes no sense. You know, it happens, though, sometimes. They get the money. You know, some people were saying, well, it's the, you know, the post-Super Bowl blues when you lose. But sometimes these quarterbacks, it goes to their heads. Um, They don't work as hard to get there. Uh, They work hard to get there. But once they get there, don't work as hard to stay there. And he's got an elite line. Swift is amazing as a running back this year. Really good tight end and two top top 15, 20 receivers in the NFL. I don't understand it, but I think they get the job done 35-28. And if you want to play a futures play, root for Miami to lose. They're 10-1 to to win the Super Bowl now. So how many teams, look at, you look at the NFL, how many teams do you think have a chance to win it all, Jeff? Uh Let's see, one, two, three, four. Uh, God, I hadn't thought about it. Lee, let's go with six. Okay. So you would probably say the Eagles, mm-hmm. 49ers, and Detroit in the NFC? Eagles, 49ers for sure. I'm starting to trend nicely with Detroit in the NFC. That is correct. Okay. All right. Nobody in the NFC South can win the Super Bowl. Nobody outside of San Francisco in the West can win the Super Bowl. The Lions could in the North, and you're right about the Eagles. No way that Dallas can. We're going to the West. In the West, Kansas City, yes. I don't think anybody in the AFC South, even if I like Jacksonville, they're not quite there yet. Uh, I have a hard time picking anybody but the Ravens in the North, and even then that's a stretch. And so finally, Buffalo and Miami in the uh, AFC East, yes. Okay. Buffalo I don't think can win. Here's why. Milano out for the year. Their best cornerback, White, out for the year. They've had a couple against Dolphins. Yeah. Great. But that was the perfect setup here. If they don't have home field advantage, I don't think they're going to do it this year. How about this? So if Miami loses in the next two to three weeks, they're going to get back Jalen Ramsey, top three cornerback. Everyone forgets about their slot cover corner who got hurt and tore his ACL. He's getting ready to start practicing again. Nick Needham, left tackle, Beth Lyman, Armstead, and Devon Aching, who is a sensation as a rookie running back here. Now, they can't take any more injuries and things can change. Dolphins might be 12 or 14 to 1 if they lose in Philly. Yeah, sprinkle a little pizza money on that one as well. Yeah, Yeah, by the way, uh, the oddity of the Bills win against the Dolphins in dominant fashion is that they've looked terrible since. 
they they lose to Jacksonville and then they they get, barely get by the Giants fourteen to nine and, and helped and, and and helped to do that. So it's been yeah. it's been a really weird your game of the week, Lee. How are folks going to get it? Uh, just call 800-400-9741. First, five callers get Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Looks pretty even on paper. I think I got the right side. 800-400-9741 to get Tampa Bay and Atlanta. And got a bunch of different offerings for everyone this week. You want to get, how about this, my 7 for 77. Open that up on Saturday. Uh, 5 for 55 NFL on Sunday. Or... Two weeks of action through Halloween night, uh, not October, October, $157. Also, the UFC, uh, early tomorrow, starts at 10 a.m., 5 for 55, one place, ParamountSports.com. Be good, brother. Always good. Okay. See you, Jeff. Take care. Hey, by the way, if Detroit could win it, that'd be cool. I got no problem with Detroit. I, I, I would root for Detroit if they got there. I'm rooting for Detroit to do well. I mean, the Bucks ain't winning it, so I'm, I don't care. I think that would be the team that most of America roots for in in a holistic way since like maybe New Orleans, New Orleans twelve thirteen years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, I everybody it, would everybody well, who doesn't have a dog in the fight would root for Detroit. I mean, poor Detroit. I mean, their level of incompetence and impotence is legendary. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that like they just sit around and giggle about like it's almost impossible to be as bad as they've been for as long as they have been you wouldn't weep for their success but you might get a little misty you see those detroit fans going you know and here's the thing i know a few like lifelong detroit fans do i and i i would appreciate that for them i really would because that's that is the kind of loyalty that is tested i mean my goodness gracious jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war chat tv the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Be an interesting test, that Alabama game that we were just talking about against Tennessee. I could see Lee being right on that one and me getting this one wrong. I have a, I'm, I just I have a hard time seeing how Tennessee's going to score, but I will tell you, I just looked it up because I knew I, two weeks ago the number was awful and I wanted to see what it was now. Uh, the EPA rankings for Alabama's offense, these under, under Milrow, this is as bad as it gets. Listen to this, Tom. They are 95th in the country in EPA per rush. Mm-hmm. 86th in EPA per pass. They expected that, though. They had built this roster. This was the talking point in the offseason that they were going to be able to impose their will on the ground. Go back to a little bit more of old-school Alabama under Saban. So when you say EPA's in the 90s on the ground, that is a miscalculation of epic proportions. Well, I mean, your quarterback has to provide some sort of threat so that teams can't have 10 guys standing there at the line of scrimmage. But it's... I mean, they're 86th in EPA per pass. They're 96th overall in the metric. It's not that's not everything, but I mean, it's it certainly tells a story. You know, Vanderbilt's worse, right? But everybody still wants to rave about Texas winning Alabama. They're playing a one-sided football team. They're playing a team with one phase of the ball 
in lockstep, yeah. and that's their defense. Yeah, and on the road. I mean, I, I think that we would want our credit if we won out at Alabama where they had won 86 of 87 games. I mean, you deserve some credit for that. I mean, you can't dismiss that. You can't dismiss it, but I think, even though there's a two in the loss column for Clemson, our win at Clemson is more impressive than Texas winning. And Alabama. I'm glad you cited Clemson because if I were an Alabama fan, I'd say, and your win against LSU was what? Right. Beating a lopsided, one-sided team. And that's, you know, that's... Nope, it's Clemson. True. Yeah. Um... By the way, Vandy, uh, Alabama is only ahead of Vandy in that stat. They're behind Auburn. Auburn! Sweet Jesus. But it was loud that night that Texas played there. If you go, if you go and look at... So, the top offenses in the league, in that league, LSU and Ole Miss, are 1-2. It stands to reason. Your eyes tell you that. Just yeah. watching the games tell you that. Yep. You know who's third? Arkansas. Missouri. 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 Missouri, yeah. That's been interesting. So, anyhow, it's a fun little thing to do. Well, and that's – Georgia's got Mizzou and Ole Miss coming up with Bowers on the shelf. That makes it very interesting for the east side of the SEC. Yeah, it – man. So, it's it's fun to to look at expected points models and figure out what our team is too. And and we're really good in some categories and really bad in some others. And we're really – you and I have talked about this already. We did some yesterday. I know that we've kind of hit on it off and on after games, uh, just how dependent they are on big plays. I'd like to see more offense run consistently, I mean, instead of it just being big plays. But big plays are a part of offense. I mean, when you play somebody and they are, let's say we're playing somebody and they're number one in explosive plays, we talk about that being a potential concern. Uh, well, it counts. And that's, you know – it goes back to Norvell's first year here where we had no reason to be explosive. We were explosive, but we had nothing else in the way of, you know, talent, um, variety on offense. Right. But we were going to hit some explosive runs. Yeah, we schemed it up. But that's the, the old NFL adage is that turnovers are the first indicator of success and then explosive play rate. You know, net rate on offense and defense is the other. We were bad in explosive plays against early this season. We've gotten it together. We, we've tightened it up a little bit to where if you can put up uh, another performance – like they have the last two home games tomorrow, and then you could do it again against Wake. At some point, Boston College becomes the outlier and not the reason to be concerned about the defense. Oh, without question. If they if they play really good again, now they're going to play, I think they should play pretty well tomorrow night. Uh, this is, again, yeah. kind of a listless. I disagree with Lee. I don't think he's going to play, and I think if he does play, he's going to be very limited. So the, the follow-up question is, if you believe Riley Leonard's going to play, that's that's fine. You can believe that. I mean, Elko tried to put that out there, that it was a possibility. I think that's gamesmanship. I also don't know how smart it would be to play him. I've said that before, too. If he's anything less than 100% or less than 90%, I mean, then you take away an entire element of what he does so well, which is run the football. Well, and you haven't lost a game in your conference Yeah, you've got a chance to so really achieve something Your goal year. to get to Charlotte is still alive, even if you have to absorb a loss tomorrow. Yeah. Now, again, I'd rather Florida State have the, the stiffest test that it possibly could to know better about what we are and to have us even more battle-tested, but that's not the reality of the situation. So since we're here, if I'm Elko, man, I'm playing North Carolina head-to-head. I play Louisville. We win those two games. We are the representative, and we get another crack at Florida State down the line. So let's play him when when Leonard's healthy in Charlotte. Like that's the way I would think about it. Yeah, I'm looking at some fun numbers here. We're we're a weird team. We're we're a weird team. There are defensive numbers that say we're very very good. There are some defensive numbers that say eh, I'm not so sure. There are offensive numbers that say 
this most explosive team in the country. There's some other offensive numbers you're like, eh, wildly inconsistent offensive team that uh, struggles mightily for long stretches and then kills you on a 60-yard play. The struggles are getting shorter in the stretches that they are That's happening. the key thing. The struggles need to be kept to a much shorter time period, time frame. Not entire quarters, but maybe a drive or two. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.